Well, what do we know about recording with uh, iPods? That they don't work. Uh, they let too much ambient noises. I actually just bought them for 400 bucks for work, but I also find them quite annoying for work too. I prefer my old plug-in $20 things than the $400 ones. So um, anyway, that's personal preference. Uh, it's not important, but what we do now now is podcast using iPhone earpods don't work. So sorry about that. If you wasted any time trying to listen to that last one, it was ridiculous. Topic. And I'm sitting indoors, so you're going to hear every single word. I'll make it as quickly as I could. Three things. We, from time to time, we have to change other people's behavior. And uh, we, we question what the best way to do it is. We, we get into the old paradigm of dangle the carrot, motivate. If you do this, I will pay you. If you do this, I will give you something. If you do this, I will reward you. Motivation which means you're basically triggering a person into their emotions. And if you trigger a person into emotions, you're not doing them all that many favors because emotions are both positive because they drive us towards things and they're negative because when we arrive there, we find that there was uh, not necessarily all that we hoped for. So it leads to depression, it leads to resentment, and it leads to um, uh, uh, unattractive. So. If we drive people into their emotions over and over again as a process of engaging them and wanting them to be involved and wanting them to do something we want, we're actually lowering the consciousness of both them and the world and ourselves. Let's put it on the table. Let's be really clear. Inspiration, which is what InnerWell stands for, is the complete opposite to driving people into their emotions. Now, there is a place for emotions. Theater is a great place for emotions. Wow, great fun. Dance party, great. Let's have fun. Party, party, uh, it's all good. Business, no. Relationship, no. Health, no. Mental, no. Social, no. Career, no. Spiritual, no. So there's a place for emotions. There's a place where you can follow your emotions. There is a place where you can be a servant to your emotions. There are a place where your emotions should trigger you. But when you get motivated by your emotions, it takes over all seven areas of life and it becomes a driving force. So it actually drives you down into your emotions to engage you. And you have to be really careful because the corporate trick at the moment is to drive you down in your emotions in order to get you to perform better, which is the opposite. In other words, if you want a person to perform well at work, to be solid, to be concrete, to be focused, to be doing their job, to be getting the job done on time, to be going home healthy, to be having a happy family life, to be turning up at work, to be answering questions, to be making wise decisions, you do not want them to be an emotional state. And yet what we say is, Yoo-hoo, we did a great job. Yoo-hoo, I'm gonna drive you towards down into your emotions by stimulating you to get what you want or motivating you to get what you want. Motivation, the highest level of motivation is at the bottom of the consciousness cone. Do you really want people down the bottom of their consciousness cone, motivating them, stimulating them to work, engaging them for goodness sake, and then say, I want performance, which comes at the top of the consciousness cone. This is absolutely diametric, it's diabolical. It's diabolical. Yes, we need emotions. Yes, emotions are the footy crowd. What's it running on? It's running on emotion. A footy crowd watching the game of footballs. But if the footballers are playing with emotion, they're cooked. Yes, we go to the theater. We want the audience in a state of emotion. But if we're in a state of emotion up on stage, we're cooked. If we're in a relationship, we want our partner to be in a state of emotion. Ooh, I love you, I'm really attracted, I'm so horny for you. But if we're in a state of emotion, boom, we're cooked. So you can go around financially. Oh, I'd love to have a new car. Oh, it'd be so gorgeous. Oh, a state of emotion. 
The car might be an emotional attachment, but by goodness, if we're in a state of emotion when we buy it, we're gonna make a huge, huge mistake. We're gonna buy it because of what people think, we're gonna buy it because of what the advertiser said, or we're gonna buy it because we think we're gonna be a different person at the end of having it. If we're gonna buy a house or sell a house and we're in a state of emotion, we're gonna do it for all the wrong reasons. And if wealth creation is our dominant value, and if wealth creation is what we want, and we buy and sell a house because it's good for the neighbors or we're downsizing, we're actually living someone else's values and we're gonna regret the decision. So emotion runs the world, yes. Do we wanna drive other people down into their emotions? Occasionally, if you're selling them something, do we wanna drive ourselves into that state of emotion? Categorically not. So let's talk about the three things that avoid going into a state of emotion, how to stimulate behavior in other people without driving them down into the lowest consciousness place you could possibly drive them. And the thing is, there are three things. Something to do, someone to love or something to love and something to look forward to. Can it be any more simple? Can I make it any more simple for you? I ask you the question, can it be more simple? Something to do, someone to love and something to look forward to. VIP, vision, inspiration, purpose. Something to do, something to love, something to look forward to. Let's go through them. Someone to love or something to love. It's so easy to focus this on a human being. But when you focus something to love on another person, you become fuckwithable. In other words, if they sneeze, you sneeze. If they cough, you cough. If you love somebody that much and you get attached to them and you say, something I love is my family, this family eats, it shits, it breathes, it moves. And you say something to love, I'm gonna attach myself to a moving target and say, I love it. You're going to be driving yourself down into an emotional state where you are going to become a loopy, weak fruitcake. Now, a loopy, weak fruitcake is probably the perfect subordinate partner that many people want. They want to be, uh, they want to be tough and strong and deliberate and caring and clear in their life, but they need to have a, a, a weak subordinate fruitcake partner in order to do it. You've got to be careful that you don't drive yourself down into that and say, something to love is my family. Something to love is stepping back and say, humans. Something to love is people. Somebody to love is all humans. Somebody to love is nature. Somebody to love is a dog that bite, doesn't bite. Something to love. Somebody to love is your family, but you've got to step back far enough and make it an unconditional love, which means it doesn't matter if the kids shit on the carpet or go to school and get high marks. Conditional love drives people down into, into unconscious behavior, emotional behavior, and they become maybe successful, but they become fruitcakes in the process. Looking back on the deathbed, they'll regret every single day of their life. So when they say something to love, find something to love, a hobby, find the process, process. Something to love is life. Something to love is nature. Something to love is the process. Now the things might change. The World Trade Center might blow up. Uh, wars take place. People, the world might change. Economies might shift. And if you're something to love shifts with the world, you're cooked. You're fuckwithable. You're an, you'll become an idiot in a world looking for people who aren't, looking for conscious people who are steady. So be careful attaching yourself to things that can move. A tree sways in the breeze. If you say, I'm gonna love the tree, you gotta step back far enough so you're either side of that swing of the tree, you still love the tree. If you love a person, either side of the swing of the person, you still love the person. Either side of the tides of the ocean, you still love the ocean, whether it's high tide or low tide. 
you got to step back far enough so you include them, include them in their in their full width, include them in their full diversity instead of trying to fix them and mold them and chop them and change them. Something to love. Make it something that's fixed. I love nature's law. I love the laws of nature. It's fixed. It's from the universe. It's been on earth since, since billions of years. It's going to be on earth for billions of years. It determines everything that happens. I love the universal laws of nature. I love those things. That's what I love. And then I let myself love people within the framework of nature's laws. So it's not a cold, clammy, uh, miserable love because that is infatuation and resentment. When you go or drive yourself down into emotion, down, 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 and you become hyper lusty, hyper sexy, hyper thing. That's not you. That's your emotions. That's something else. And yes, if you can drive another person down into their emotions and they become lusty and sexy towards you, good on you. That's called marketing. That's called promotion. That's called uh, human development. That's called uh, uh, counseling. That's called therapy. That's called leadership. That's called millions of things where you make other people lust for what, you, what you've got. But you don't want to be that person lusting for what someone else has got because you become down into a fruitcake. The second part of the thing that we talked about on the beach before that the podcast got destroyed and wasn't as clear as this one is something to do. Now, everybody got something to do. A drug addict's got something to do, put a needle. Uh, uh, a housekeeper might have something to do, put the laundry out. Something to do. Something to do, but what's left on the end of that word is with meaning. So we can't live without something to do. We can't live without a reason to be here. And what we get is we get... Uh, the two uh, uh, competing forces here. Something to do you enjoy, something to do you it's fulfilling. But if you do something you enjoy that's not fulfilling, or if you do something that's fulfilling you don't enjoy, it's not something to do. And so the something to do be, can be instantaneous gratification. Instantaneous gratification is when a person's got nothing to do, nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do, that's meaningful and therefore they gravitate to instantaneous gratification to give them meaning. And that's understandable. That's Nature gave us a body to seek pleasure, avoid pain. So the body goes looking for pleasure in order to give meaning to life. And it goes, oh, the more pleasure I have, the more meaning I have. The more people, I, the more, uh, people or the more shags I have, the more meaning I have. The more dollars I earn, the more meaning I have. This is not meaning. This is instantaneous gratification substituting for meaning Meaning is when you give. Meaning is when you think your life on this earth is for a reason greater than your little baby games of something to love. Something more important than that, when you've got a gift, when you've got a, something that you want to contribute, your paintings, your music, your art, your podcast, something you contribute to the world, there's meaning. But if it's putting nappies on the baby and, and running around the house and, and studying for exams and filling up and making sure you everything's right and pleasurable. That's not meaning. That's gratification. And instant gratification without satisfaction is an oxymoron. Gratification without satisfaction is an oxymoron. Satisfaction is long-term. Gratification is short-term. And the person who's seeking short-term gratification is always trying to fix something. Always trying to fix something. Always complaining. Something isn't quite right. Because they're trying to fix things. Trying to lock them in. Trying to weld them down. Because instantaneous gratification doesn't last. So what they want is the things that gratify them to last as long as they can get them to last. But they don't last. Because instantaneous gratification is just the equivalent to sugar. It's just the equivalent to a drug. It's just the equivalent to alcohol. It gratifies us until it wears off. But reason to live. Reason to contribute. 
purpose, a sense of meaning, that stuff, that is the theme that runs through everything. So the second thing is we, we want is something to do, but something to do to give us a sense of meaning. Even my poor old dad, who has now passed, but in his last 15 years of his life, as he got more and more dementia, started cutting out cardboard shapes in pieces of plywood and painting them and, uh, and creating art that he could leave behind after his death. He even sustained meaning as he moved into his death and he knew it, what he was doing. He wanted to leave something for others. And sadly, it was the stuff he made was not worthy of keeping for me, but which is sort of sad one way, but it's good another way because someone got to keep them, my brother and my sister and other people got to keep them and that gives them meaning. Gives the, my dad's work meaning for the last years of his life. The last one, something to look forward to, is the most vulnerable. If there's nothing to look forward to, the other two become hyper, hyperactive. So if we've got nothing to look forward to, we become hyperactive, something or someone to love. We, go, we grab onto people, we start getting attached, we start worrying about what they think, we start living their values. So when we start living another person's values, it's 100% because we've got no vision. We've lost hope, we've lost vision. We're bullshitting ourselves, we're fantasizing, we're pipe dreaming, we're smoke, smoking joints. We're out there in fantasy land, telling everybody how powerful and wonderful and dreamy we are, but deep down inside, there's an inner voice going, you're gonna fail, no, you're gonna lose. No, you're gonna lose. No, you're gonna lose. No, you're gonna lose. And then we gravitate to someone or something to love. We grab onto our family and our kids and our family and try to weld them into a shape that doesn't change. Or we start seeking instantaneous gratification in the form of instant profit, instant success, instant uh, reward, instant uh, uh, happiness. And we go, uh, 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 we go and buy the book by the Dalai Lama uh, called Happiness. We, we go looking for instant gratification because we have nothing to look forward to. And nothing to look forward to doesn't mean we can't write on a piece of paper what we want, our goals and our vision. But the question is, do we have the grunt? Do we have the tenacity to go through the hard times to get there? And that will be the difference between a fantasy and a reality. And if you have a real, real vision and you have a real sense of purpose, that will drive you through all the hardship. That won't matter, it's just transitional. You go through shit, you go through the troubles, and you say, oh, it's worth going through this because I really want to get to the other side because on the other side, it's things I want. I'm looking forward to them. Looking forward to things is not a fantasy. Fantasies are things where you go, oh, it'll be so much pleasure when I move, so much pleasure when I change, so much happiness when I go there. That's bullshit. You don't want to run down into your emotions. You want to stay up in your inspirations. And your inspirations are, it'll be pleasure and pain where I'm going, but I can actually... Uh, have better sense of purpose and a better sense of love when I go there. So you have to grow your love, you have to grow your purpose to get to what you're looking forward to. And now you've got the package. Now you understand how uh, you can drive yourself down into emotion or drive others down into emotion, get really confused. If you're a great marketer in the world, you drive the world down into their unconscious emotions. That's what marketing is, driving people down into their emotions. In many ways, you're not driving them there. They're already there, but you're talking to them at that level and then reinforcing that emotional uh, level of their being. That's uh, what marketing is. If you want to seduce people, if your job is to seduce people over and over again, you drive them down into their emotions where, where they resonate and offer them a fantasy that all pleasure without pain, all right without wrong. So these choices are yours. But the thing about it is, 
If you're at home and your partner isn't horny for you, your partner isn't attracted to you, your partner isn't think that's nothing to do with them. You don't have to change them. Something to do, something to look forward to, something to love, that's your job. When you have those three in sync, you'll be really attractive to anybody, everybody. Not just your partner, but mostly your partner. Now, what gets in the way of this? The, what, what gets in the way of this is a history of Groundhog Day, history of repeated uh, uh, behavior, where you try to live the emotions of your partner in order to make them happy. You, in order to love a partner, in order to love a person, you start living their values. And they say, I want to do this. I want to go on this holiday. I want to go here. I want to go there. And that's their, that's their values. And you go, oh, well, if I argue with them and don't do their values, they're not going to stay with me. Absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. If you follow their values, they are going to treat you with the disrespect you deserve. Now, how do you fulfill their values while fulfilling yours? An example of this. My ex was a triathlete, went to triathlons all the time. I went to triathlons to support her. So that was her values. My values were my podcast, my work, my coaching. So always aligned going to a, a triathlon or whatever it was with doing another video, another podcast, another book, another uh, uh, blog, another coaching session, working with my clients. I never canceled clients in order to go uh, on triathlons. I actually stayed with my program and did them at triathlons. So I satisfied her values while satisfying mine. My current relationship with the beautiful children, that they are my partner's highest values are her the well-being of her little puppies, and understandably so. The health and well-being of herself, the health and well-being of her puppies, and the health and well-being of their, their future. That's not my values. My values are my work, my career, my wealth, my building, uh, changing the world, doing that. That's my values. So I ask myself over and over again, how does helping her fulfill her values help me fulfill mine? And I link it or sync it. So every single thing I do for my partner is linking her values to my values. So I'm never off track and I'm never working on low priorities. When you work on low priorities, you attract calamities, disasters, and humbling circumstances. When you work on low priorities, which is your partner's values, you attract calamities, disasters, and humbling circumstances. But if you fulfill your partner's values in order to fill your own values, now you're on track. And that's the process. And that's what I'd advocate. I've just been out hanging, washing on a line on a Saturday morning, and it's all, all the kids' stuff, my partner's children, who I call now my children. It's all my kids' stuff. When I went into a relationship, I never dreamed I would be hanging kids' socks and kids' school jumpers and kids' things out on the clothesline on a Saturday morning. I never imagined I'd be using that time for that purpose. So I could go out there and be pissed off. I could ring her up and say, how dare you leave me with a whole bunch of laundry to do and hang out in the clothesline. Or I can go out in the clothesline and say, how does hanging these beautiful clothes up on the clothesline for my perfect partner, for her beautiful children, who I love very dearly, how does that help me become a better life coach? How does it become a better thought changer? How does it become a better change agent? How does it help me in thought leadership? So I spend the time stretching my body as I reach up to our hills hoist. I stretch my body. I absorb the sun. I think about this podcast that I'm doing right now. I imagine the rest of the day. I do my planning. I do my visions. I do my visualization. And so I'm thankful that I get to do this work. And so there's no resentment. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.